Hello to everyone who's watching uh, this video on YouTube channel or listening to the podcast, to the Mobbox podcast. I'm very excited for our guests today and I'm very excited to announce them. But right now, let me introduce the main topic of today's conversation. Obviously, it's iOS 14 and our day free removal in the first quarter of 2021. Yes, it's been delayed and now we got more time to prepare, to develop strategies. So why do we need another video about this? We've seen a bunch, we've listened to a lot, but we got something special for you today. You see the names of the companies in the background. It's a little spoiler for those who are watching the video. And we always communicate with our partners and we always have conversations about our strategies in the future. And right now we want you to be covered from all sides to have all around information video about this event, about IDFA removal. I will let our guests introduce themselves because you know, no one can do it better. I'll start with the CEO of company I work in. Hello, Yaron. How are you doing? Hey, Anton. Doing well. So for those that don't know, my name is Yaron. I'm CEO of MobUps. Uh, MobUps is a mobile uh, performance marketing agency. We are specializing in mobile in-app campaigns, managing a platform that is connecting between advertisers and publishers. And we are excited to host this uh, webinar. Thank you, Yaron. And now we're going to to our next guest. Uh, hello, Sven, how are you doing? Hello, nice to meet you. So my name is Sven, I'm the founder of 24Metrics. We do specialize on fraud detection in the mobile CPI area. So we work with a lot of networks, but also advertisers. And uh, yeah, we're very excited to be here and give our input. Thank you, Sven, we are very excited too. Now let's go to our next guest, Aryan. Hi, uh, nice to be here. My name is Aryan Kapoor and uh, I am on Butikat's behalf, which is the biggest social e-commerce platform in the Middle East region. And um, uh, I think it would be exciting to explore this topic on iOS 14 today. Thank you for having me here. Thank you, Aryan. Thank you for being here. Now we're going to Josh. Hello, Josh, how are you doing? Good, thanks for having me on. Uh, my name is Josh, I'm the head of product for Tune. And we're based in Seattle. We run uh, the industry's largest partner marketing platform. So uh, formerly known as has offers, but uh, the Tune platform powers a lot of mobile networks and affiliate networks and influencer networks in the industry. So uh, we work closely with folks like MobUps and uh, also with uh, tech providers like 24Metrics as well. Thank you, Josh. Thank you for being here. I'm very excited for this conversation. Let's not wait too much and let, let's get to the questions right now. Our first question is going to be very general. I'm sure that listeners and I want to know the, your general position on this. In the world without IDFA, for marketers to properly track attribution, users will need to opt in on tracking on, in every app. I'm sure all our listeners, and I would like to know, what's your opinion on next next three, six months, well, after IDFA removal? We'll start with Yaron. Thank you, Anton. So first of all, thanks God uh, for uh, the delay. We have now more time to be prepared, but we've done some preparation with uh, all our partners, and we are continuing the preparation and learning the market, hearing the market what's going to be in future. I think if we split it for best scenario and worst scenario, on the best scenario, as I see it currently, but still we have some time and still we're waiting for some announcement for maybe from Apple or other 
major players on the market like Facebook and Google that can really change the uh, situation. I think the best scenario as I see it right now that the market will move to a probabilistic attribution that's at least from our work with other MMPs, what we heard and what we learned from them that they rely on this uh, on the short and the medium term. Probably there are some risks and some additional regulations that will be announced by Apple in the future, but at least on the short midterm, we believe the probabilistic attribution will uh, take majority of, uh, of the market share, as well as we believe that more time, the delay that were announced and more time for the developers to prepare uh, will create an opportunity for developers to work on some kind of solutions and some kind of incentive for users to opt in and share the idea phase for some values. And I read different articles uh, by Adjust and, and, and other uh, companies that really suggest very, very nice ideas, how developers can, uh, first of all, explain and educate the users for um, uh, why they need to share and what are their benefits for sharing the idea phase. And secondly, uh, develop some incentivized like free content on lo or longer trials and, and so on and so on for developers to share the idea phase. Maybe not at the beginning, not when they download the app, but maybe after they reach some point of engagement that will be possible. So that's the best scenario as I see it. The worst, the worst scenario will be budget reduction and some clients were mentioning that uh, they are going to this direction, reduce the budget, make sure they in control of the situation, see the first statistics. And I believe on the long term, uh, the market will adjust, uh, uh, companies, technology providers will adapt, and uh, we will be back on track. Thank you, Yaron. Yes, this Apple's decision about delaying really was, was a huge surprise for us, but at least we got more time to prepare. What's your opinion on this, Sven? What's your prognosis? So, so I, I really agree with uh, what Yaron said. Um, so, but adding to this, um, so we hope that there's going to be a very smooth transition where attribution accuracy can be 90%. So, adjust and absolutely have already released uh, cases and predictions of that. So, so that would be the the most smoothest approach that we can see. Uh, the worst case, we see much higher drop off rates. It's not turning out as good as we it's predicted. We see a lot more duplicates on the installs and fraudsters can possibly start to abusing these inaccuracies uh, on purpose in the tracking to get more fraud installs. Thank you, Sven. Uh, what's your opinion on this from your side, Arian? Yeah, so I mean, it came as a shocker for us as well. Uh, first the cookie and now the IDFA. But I think in the best case scenario, uh, it will be nice because now the users won't be surprised if they see personalized advertising, which previously they were, you know, they were like ads are keep following us and all. So now they do give their consent, which is good. Um, uh, so that's uh, that's something we'll have to play around. We'll have to be creative with because uh, it's not mandatory that we have to, you know, show the pop-up as soon as the person downloads the app. We can delay the pop-up. We can wait for them to get into the journey. So at least that's a good, uh, good thing for us. Uh, for the worst-case scenario, as Yaron and Sven mentioned, that uh, that it'll be probabilistic uh, attribution of data and not deterministic. So that is something which might not be as accurate. And then again. Um, for the people who choose not to share their advertising ID, so it will be a challenge to target them 
through contextual advertising, which uh, which could be a challenge for the marketers. Thank you, Aryan. This is a really challenging time for all of us, but I'm sure we'll we'll work it out pretty well. What's your opinion on this, Josh? Yeah, building on uh, on what Aryan said about contextual advertising, I actually think that long term this could be good for us and for folks in our industry because I think that. Largely, Apple's moves here are targeted more at the duopoly, which is at Facebook and Google, whose advertising methods really rely heavily on building out audiences and doing heavy personalization and lookalike audiences and things like that, which get a lot tougher without the IDFA. But if you look at partner marketing and um, a lot of what we do in our side of the industry, it's actually a lot more privacy uh, friendly to start with because we don't need to know who you are, we just you know can post ads based on the content that you're looking at, for example, and it's much more relevant. So, I think um, I'm a bit of an optimist. I think long term this could be good because as folks potentially start to reduce budgets that relied on IDFA more, um, they'll have to start to look around at other options out there. So maybe they'll run with mobups or you know other folks out there in, on this call. Thank you, Josh. I really like your positive approach because I've seen a ton of like, you know, disaster information online right now. Everybody was shocked and everybody was like saying they're not prepared. So positive approach is probably what we need right now. Okay, we'll go to the next question. It's probably going to be more to Sven, but I'd like to hear more opinions on this. How do you think, what are the biggest possible fraud risks in this period? And can this period activate any flaws or any other fraud activation? We'll traditionally start with Yaron and go by one one. Oh yeah, in terms of uh, uh, fraud, it's still hard for me to say. I guess, you know, Sven is the specialist for oh, this sure. uh, topic, so he can share more. At least as I see it, so first of all, uh, to be prepared for this, you need to work with uh, such companies as 24 Metrics and such companies as Tune that provide uh, the right infrastructure for fraud prevention and fraud detection. So you need to rely on specialized companies, first of all, and I recommend for all uh, companies that don't have it, uh, we, we rely on them for many years and it's work out and it's really clean up our, our marketplace and keeping the positive health of the marketplace. Secondly, for uh, I guess for app developers, it will be very important to compare against uh, App Store because some fraud, uh, potentially, there is some vulnerability for fraud, potentially. And you can see one data on the network's uh, dashboard, but you can see some other data and some discrepancies on the App Store dashboard. And of course, the App Store, App Store dashboard will be the most uh, precise. So uh, developers, advertisers need to develop some kind of workflows or even technologies to compare this data in real time and make sure that networks uh, report the correct numbers or MMPs report the correct numbers because the most correct numbers are in the App Store. And uh, I guess also very important to update BI system uh, for uh, clients because IDFA will be missing and if today BI systems uh, use IDFA for, uh, for ROI prediction, for a campaign performance prediction for any other uh, tools, so it needs to be updated for uh, any other data points, so BI systems can continue to work and maintain healthy campaign management uh, situation. Understood, Yaron. Thank you. What's your opinion on this one? 
Um, so, so I would say, first of all, it's important to say that the existing fraud cases that we have, they, they are, they're going to remain. They're not going to go away with iOS 14, like click spam, click injection, duplicate IPs, things that we had seen in the past day, they're not going to go away. But um, what is also very important to do in terms of preparation is to have as many goals and KPIs ready as you can. So once you start tracking them today, you know how your traffic is currently behaving with iOS 13. Once iOS 14 is really launched in the marketing uh, metrics, then we can start saying, okay, I want to look at my best partners here. And I see, do I see a change in metrics here? Yeah. Is there suddenly a bigger drop off on certain KPIs? And then you can build your own KPIs out of that and build like comparable metrics on that. Yeah. Um, we, we expect from our side, we're expecting like a high increase in duplicate IPs and VPNs, things like relate to duplicates since the, the tracking accuracy is, is expected to go down. Okay, that's very interesting. Thank you, Swain. So what's your view of this, Aryan? So, I mean, as a marketer, uh, there are many changes that we'll have to go through and uh, there have been some stuff coming in from, first of all, uh, we would have to focus on first party data, on gathering first party data like email IDs and phone numbers uh, so that they are universal for the platforms. Uh, the second would be to actually readjust the campaigns that we are creating on uh, Facebook, let's say, because I presume there is a specific limit to the number of campaigns that can be created. And uh, let's say we used to uh, diversify our creatives previously based on the geo, uh, the categories, um, and uh, let's say the user user behavior and all. I don't think we won't we'll be able to do that. So we'll have to consolidate all of those campaigns into one. Um, and uh, that is one thing. The other thing is from a Google perspective, um, uh, we'll have to focus more on Firebase SDK um, since uh, I think that is something that Google has also been promoting for a long time now. And um, uh, in order to actually, you know, because they, they, are, they have their own user unique uh, ID graphs, uh, which they gather on their AdWords platform as well as in Firebase. So in order to map the user, I think uh, that is something we, we are already preparing on. Uh, for the future. Thank you, Arian. What's your view on this, Josh? Sure. So for preparation, I think that the first step for marketers and for networks, for everyone in the ecosystem is going to be to take a deep look at how your traffic is running today and take notes, do an audit on how you're actually using IDFA or not using IDFA. Uh, I think that there's been a lot of confusion about this topic. And I think that a lot of people assume that any iOS traffic you're running is crucially relying on IDFA. And we're finding at a high level, at least for Tune customers, uh, that that's not necessarily true. That the majority of users that are doing partner marketing or affiliate campaigns actually don't rely on IDFA for attribution right now because a lot of it is web to app, or even if it's app to app, it's going through a web view and a tracking link anyway. So I think that um, first of all, do that audit and you might find that you're not using it that much today. And then if you are using it, then it's more of making the decision on whether you're going to move to a more probabilistic model or whether it makes sense to go through uh, all the steps to actually integrate with SK Ad Network and, and we'll see how that plays out in January. But yeah, step one, know the impact and then you can make a plan for how to mitigate that. That sounds like a plan, Josh. Thank you. 
So we touched this topic a little bit, and I want to uh, I want to talk about it a little bit more. There is an assumption among marketeers that marketeers will probably use some first-party data or some alternatives to IDFA, such as IDFV and some uh, email or phone numbers. Uh, or any other alternatives to identify. How do you think, is this possible that we're going to move to that? Is it possible that we're going to uh, ask users to basically give us some other identifiers or alternative identifiers? Yaron? Yeah, so I think uh, over here, Arian will be the specialist for this yeah. and he mentioned, but he mentioned some points about emails and phone numbers and so on. It's very dependent on the product. It's a challenge for marketers, definitely. Uh, some marketers have the benefit because their product is very native for asking first-party data, or maybe they already have the first-party data. Um, I believe that mainly publishers, uh, marketers that have many apps will use first-party data between all the apps to market inside their in-house network, right? And, and possibly even on the long term, we will see some market consolidation between companies that have this first party data that will acquire or will merge with other partners that uh, do not have it and use it uh, between themselves. I think uh, if we are looking on the games vertical, so it's definitely a challenge, right? Because for e-commerce brands, definitely they, most of them, they have the first party data. For game publishers, imagine yourself some publisher that manage tons of users on the casual game vertical. It's really a challenging uh, um, point to get this first party data, but they will need to work out uh, different uh, uh, workflows and, and steps and incentivize for users to share this data and, or possibly to merge or to buy this data from uh, uh, other vendors. Thank you, Aaron. Sven, do you, get, do you have something to add to this? Uh, yeah, so very briefly. So I, I agree with Yaron. It's, it's going to be complicated, especially for, for the games developers uh, to use this. Uh, I believe like in this case, the, the drop-off rates will be quite high. Um, and, and also we, we know that from, from lead campaigns, right? Like we, when, where people enter email address and all this, this, this won't stop fraud. Like in terms of fraud, this, this won't make an impact. Arian, you basically started this topic, but do maybe you have something to add to cover some, sure. some more about this? Sure. So yeah, as I said, uh, we are already working on incentivizing, let's say, users to give out their emails or basically get their phone numbers. And as an e-commerce, it's mandatory for the customers to any which ways provide this data. But for the normal users, I believe there is a small uh, workaround uh, for the ATT framework that is there currently, which is the app tracking transparency framework. So currently, um, Apple has said that there are two ways in which a user can still access, um, let's say, the IDFA without still having the consent, which is first if the user is, if it is linked to a third party data provider, so uh, the IDFA can be accessed within the device only. Uh, or second, if the, if the data broker is using the, basically the data for identifying fraud, let's say a credit card fraud or something. So what I presume is that uh, uh, the, the, the applications are going to Apple in order to form an ecosystem where the on-premise data which is being accumulated on the source of the device can be mapped with, let's say, the, the on-device attribution of the target app. So, I mean, that could be a workaround if Apple agrees to 
for basically targeting the users in the absence of consent or any other first party data. Uh, Josh, do you have something to add to this? Yeah, so I, I agree that uh, with, with Arya, if you can build a direct relationship with your customers, that's always gonna be better than relying on a pseudonymous identifier like IDFA. So if you're an e-commerce brand or someone selling a product, um, an email list is a huge, powerful thing to build in the first place because you can remarket to those folks. Um, but like Aron said, it's pretty hard for gaming apps or, or other people like that, like app builders, to get that info. So I think it, they're going to probably rely heavier on getting that opt-in. So I think the, the getting the opt-in case is interesting for someone like a gaming app where a lot of the ecosystem relies on that. Um, rewarded video is really huge in that space. There's a lot of gamers that they don't want to pay for the app, and so they'll watch advertisements instead to get free tokens and such in the app. So I think if you prime it correctly, where someone goes to, to get their extra credits in the game, and then you pop up the, the ATT um, opt-in and says, you know, we need to get access to your IDFA in order to give you the, the credit for this, I think you're probably going to have a lot higher opt-in rates than you would if you just popped it right when you install the app. So I think we'll see people get creative with that and, and try to get access to the IDFA in cases like gaming. Yeah, Josh, thank you. We know people can get creative in any situation. So I'd like to ask you a next question. This is basically a two questions, but I'd like to connect them because um, I, I feel like they, they were connected. As you know, Facebook has noticed more than 50% drop in CPM prices when personalized targeting was removed from the Facebook audience network. Do you think this transition might affect this IDFA removal might affect pricing in the industry? And the next question is, can this IDFA removal push advertisers to Google Android platform? Yeah, so I think uh, definitely we will see a drop on the CPM. I think uh, many campaigns today, the highest CPM campaigns today on the market are retargeting campaigns. Uh, I believe those are very, very high. So these campaigns should drop a lot, at least at the beginning, until the market adjusts. Also, a lot of uh, campaigns that are running with lookalikes and very, very precise targeting will drop as well. Also very high CPM campaigns. So all this should lead for some uh, CPM drop, maybe 50%, maybe more, maybe less, depend on the network. But I believe the industry will adjust on the long term. There is, you know, the industry is strong. We've been through many changes. We, we, we've been through COVID-19. We are working from home, GDPR. I don't know, we can mention more and more changes and you know, folks that are here many years in the industry. So we all remember all those changes. We will somehow adjust. Uh, there are many creative ideas that are coming in like contextual targeting, uh, as we discussed over here, first party data and so on and so on. So on the long, long term, I think you know, it will be like a curve. The market will go down and it will adapt and adjust uh, on the long term. But definitely should be some kind of uh, decrease and movement of budget to Android. We already see it with some of our advertisers. Some major advertisers already ask us to move their budgets um, to Android uh, because they want to see how their uh, campaigns will react and so on. We see it happening right now. Swain, what's your opinion on this? Uh, yeah, so, so on the CPM side, I, I believe um, also there will be a drop 
uh, most likely to happen. On the CPI side, I'm to be honest, I'm not that sure because, like, uh, if we're looking specifically on on iOS, if we actually see a, a drop in attribution, then this potentially could be compensated with higher payouts. So if advertisers see, okay, they're getting specific revenues, it's 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 working well the the platform but they just have less installs from the from the networks that are attributed to them, then they could potentially simply offset and compensate that with the higher payouts. But yeah, overall, I mean, from a marketer perspective for companies, if they can track better on the, on the Android platform, then this is definitely more attractive. How this will really play out in, the, in terms of uh, how much volume, I can't say that from my perspective, but, uh, um, well, we'll see how we have to see how that plays out in the future. Thank you, Sven. Arian, what's your opinion on the prices drop, possible prices drop, and moving to Android, moving budgets to Android? Sure. So, yeah, I mean, initially, I think for a short period of time, we might see a setback when it comes to pricing drop because uh, advertisers would be more careful on what their budget is being spent on, but eventually the show needs to go on. And so does the business. So, I mean, eventually they'll have to spend, they'll have to figure out ways. And uh, I think personally that the CPMs might go up as well. Uh, why? Because then all the advertisers would be, you know, the testing, they would be spending more on testing as opposed to direct uh, targeted uh, advertising, which they were doing previously. So now they'll, they'll actually be spending more trying different placements, uh, operating systems, geographies, contextual targeting, um, you know, types of apps, placements and all of that. So I think it might go up, uh, advertisers might spend more initially. And uh, yeah, as far as Android is concerned, I think, of course, when it comes, when it will come to personalized targeting, people would want to spend more on Android. But then again, it all depends where your users are. So if you have predominantly your user base on iOS, there is no way, there's no point of actually spending more on Android as opposed to iOS. So you'll just have to figure out ways to actually maximize your ROI through iOS itself. Thank you, Aryan. Josh, what do you think about this? Yeah, so granted I'm in the US, um, iOS is, is super popular here, but I don't think that this is gonna, I don't think it's gonna push people towards Android, mostly because that's a consumer decision. Um, that would involve people actually switching to Android over this. And I don't think the average person, like as big of a deal as this is to us in the industry, most people don't care about this. Um, they don't even know what it means. But second of all, I think if they do understand it, it'll probably be seen as a net positive because people like privacy. You know, I think that they will think Apple is doing them a favor here. And if anything, I think in the coming months and years, we'll probably see Android follow suit and do something more privacy focus and follow what Apple is doing here. Cause that's what we've seen on the browser side. You know, Apple and Safari have left with, have led with ITP and helping to kill the third party cookie. And now you're seeing all the other browsers follow like Google Chrome is still the last holdout, but even they have said in the next two to three years that they think they'll get rid of third party cookies as well. So I think it'll be the opposite personally. Thank you, Josh. Yes, this is what we expect, that Google will implement something very similar in, in next few months or probably a year. And I totally agree about it's us in the industry who know this idea favor removal hysterics and regular users, users just don't know about it. And it's possible interesting privacy feature for them. So the next question is going to be about how do you prepare? How is your company, how you personally and your company have prepared and, and do you have something 
some more strategies in next months, what, what you have to do, what you will do in the company. I'm sure listeners are very interested about what's going on in the companies right now. Yaron? Yeah, so uh, there is different aspects uh, that we were uh, uh, prepared by. It's still an ongoing process. I guess uh, we were fast running, doing some sprint till now. Now we release, we, we check the market more deeper. We speak with our partners, clients, uh, technology partners to understand the situation. In general, what we have done till now is registering in SK Ad Network as an Ad Network uh, account. So we got uh, a confirmed uh, account over there. And right now we are in a phase of testing the conversion. So that's step number one, to support those clients that will want to adapt the SK network uh, protocol. Secondly, we were speaking with uh, the MMPs because that's where all our clients use some kind of MMP uh, for tracking, Flyer, Adjust, uh, Branch, uh, Kochaba, and so on. So every MMP mentioned to us as an agency, as their partner, what uh, uh, what things we need to uh, improve or add to our integration. Usually what we saw is mainly um, uh, because we have a server-to-server integration with MMPs. So in some cases we were using Tune native integration with those MMPs because Tune were already uh, ahead uh, supporting us and implementing the right uh, macros and the right data. In some places, MMPs request from us adding some macros um, like uh, IP, user agent, device language, uh, and we enrich our uh, uh, data that we are sending to those MMPs so they can later on be more accurate on their probabilistic attribution. On the media side, we were working, we are still working with our uh, partners on the media to update our integration with them to get more data, as much possible data from the partners. Again, data as device language and so on and so on. Other data like IPs and user agents, usually we are getting this uh, by default because user is redirect through uh, Tune. So we can get this data uh, from Tune reports and we pass it to the MMPs. And with our clients, basically it's an ongoing discussion to understand our client's position, um, what they need, what uh, is their forecast in terms of uh, solution they're going to adapt. And we are trying to specifically support every client with his own uh, request. Thank you, Yaron. That's uh, the overview. Yeah. Thank you, Yaron. Sven, what's going on in 24 Matrix? What have you done and what's been planned to be done? Um, so, so on our side, we, we are, of course, we have done a lot of research. We, we have checked with our customers. With the networks, we, we spoke with uh, also with uh, Adjust and Swire, what what these uh, changes are bringing to us on the fraud detection side, how integration is that affected, etc. So we have done newsletters, uh, we we updated our blogs and all of that. So and and also we are now preparing for um, probabilistic filters. Let me say, if in the absence of uh, data. Um, what would happen, let's say, for example, if location data will be available or is not available, if only a percentage of those um, users will have this specific data, what is that going to happen, let's say, for example, location sharing, uh, uh, if it may be only, it's expected to have 20% of users have location sharing enabled or have 
certain things, then if nobody has it, then that could raise flags. We were building filters around that. So we are also preparing in, in that sense. Yeah. Thank you, Sven. Ariane, how do you prepare to this uh, FDFA removal? And so uh, I would categorize this into different buckets from a marketer's perspective. Uh, one would be the targeting bucket uh, that how would we target the users going forward. So first of all, before it actually comes into the picture, it is essential that uh, advertisers right now try to experiment with some kind of an in-app notification to just identify on which part of the journey where users are actually uh, liking the personalized user experience or they can just, you know, give up and in a push notification saying that do you like a personalized experience within the app and just identify on which stage is it working so that when the idfa actually comes up they could place that in that specific location the second would be to uh, identify uh, the placements because right now we have the data for uh, let's say the dynamic retargeting or retargeting so like let's say keeping a note of those placements because we know now where our users are so eventually just targeting those placements um, the second bucket would be the technical aspect of it. So from a technical aspect, uh, the, the marketing ecosystem was moving towards automation and I'm sure many marketers have their campaigns running on automate, automation right now. So I think that should be closely monitored and paused if necessary and switched to manual for some time uh, until the campaign stabilize and the bidding and all stabilizes. So I think uh, these two buckets would be the major focus areas as of now. Thank you, Arian. That's very interesting. Josh, we all know you're ahead of the game right now, but I'm sure audience would love to know, like, what what other plans do we have to, uh, what's need to be done before IDFA removal? Sure. Uh, the biggest thing that we've worked on is just tightening up our relationships with the, the major MMPs. Um, like Yaron mentioned, those are going to be a huge part of this process since they are the ones that do handle the attribution, whether it's using IDFA or not. So, um, you know, with Tune, with our platform, we don't directly use IDFA at all. So it's really going to be using one of those MMPs like Branch or Adjust or Apps Flyer. Um, so we've just been talking to those folks, understanding what they would need from us in order to go the probabilistic route. And the nice part is that we realize we, we really have this already set up. So we're, we're sending the right info. Uh, things like user agent and IP to be able to do the probabilistic matching. So that'll continue. So I, I think it's really just uh, making sure that all of our customer facing documentation is updated and then doing a lot of uh, things like this where we're talking to customers and partners and just understanding their point of view and, and helping them through this transition. So it's kind of just playing advisor and, and making sure everybody can continue to, to measure the way that they want to measure. Thank you, Josh. Communication is the key and I'm happy we all are prepared and getting prepared uh, to this event. I want to thank you all for participating. I'm sure audience will appreciate this because in less than 40 minutes we covered like a lot of topics and everything our, our audience will need to know right now. So I want to thank you all and I'm sure our audience will love this. Thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you. Bye guys. Thank, thank you. you very much for joining. All right. Super, inter super inter international webinar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'll talk Thank to you, you later. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. Good night. Good day. Bye bye.